Good evening, brothers and sisters. We are still in the uh, Chinese New Year mood, so I wish everybody a very uh, happy, prosperous, and, and uh, fruitful uh, New Year. So every Chinese New Year, we hope that the New Year will bring about new hope, new prosperity, and uh, everything will be new. And indeed, God has given us a fantastic new covenant in Christ Jesus, you know, to make everything new. He reset the world. He reset our life. He reset our future through the new covenant that we have in Christ Jesus. So we're still talking about uh, the coming of the days of the Son of Man. It's just like the days of Noah in those days. And so the Bible symbolized uh, the water baptism uh, like uh, Noah's ark. So Jesus is the ark that we run to, uh, run into, and we are safe. And uh, in a through the baptism, and then the resurrection of Jesus, uh, we, we are safe. Okay, let me read this verse in 1 Peter 3. 21, 22. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, the resurrection brings about the great reset. And uh, it brings about a clear conscience for us towards God. And, and I want you to read uh, verse, uh, Hebrews 9, verse 14. Hebrews 9, verse 14. How much more then with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of the new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So we know that Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. At the reset, remember, a covenant is established. Here at the reset because of the resurrection, the new covenant is sealed by the blood of Jesus. And uh, what is this? What's so great about this new covenant that we are entering into? The Bible tells us that this new covenant is much better than the old covenant, right? Hebrews 8, 6. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to this as the covenant of which he is a mediator is superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established on better promises. Okay, so this is definitely going to be better than before. It's a better new covenant. And the first thing that the new covenant did for us is that it cleansed us from our conscience, from our sin. And what is so great about 
being cleansed from our sin, being cleansed from our conscience. Now, heaven is open to us. Now, we can enter into the most holy place. Okay? I want you to think. The most holy place. Look at uh, Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and have our body washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So the new covenant opened a new and living way for us to come before God. And not just coming before God, but we come right into the most secret, holy place so that we can have intimate relationship with God. And the Word of God says we come with sincere heart, with faith. Come with sincere heart. So when we trust in the blood of Jesus, we enter into this new covenant. We know we don't need to Trust in ourselves, depending on our performance, prove who we are, prove our work. Instead, we come with faith, resting, trusting in the finished work of Jesus. When He shed His blood, when He died for our sin, we know that we are accepted by God because we can come right into His most holy place. What's the reason? Because our sins are forgiven. Our sins are forgiven and cleansed and removed from a guilty conscience. And uh, I think that's where a lot of us, we stop there. We are just so glad that we can enter into the presence of God and accept it by God. But there's more to it than this. Because when we come into the most holy place, that's where God's throne is. And the Bible tells us that this throne is a throne of grace. Look at Hebrews 4, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of needs. So that we may find mercy and grace. So, but it, is, it doesn't stop there. So that we may find mercy and grace in our times of needs. Because often we are just thinking, oh, we have sinned or we have fallen. Uh, we, so we just come and thank God you accept us. But it's more. You see, we may have mercy, God may have mercy on us when we are in a situation where we need help. God will have mercy and have compassion on us and help us. When we are weak, we can come 
before the most holy place and receive strength and power. When we are hurt because of what people have done and what people have said, we can come before Him and receive grace and be set free. Whatever is our needs, we have financial needs, we can come before Him, His throne of grace, and receive grace. In His wisdom, in His favor, He opened ways for us. He worked miraculously in us and through us when we come before Him to receive grace, to save us out of this, this uh needs and, and want, right? So we are no longer at the mercy of the environment or people and so on because we don't trust in ourselves in needing to prove who we are. We know we are already accepted. We are already loved in the beloved. We have access to heaven. Heaven is open to us all our needs, we can find help and receive help from there. But grace comes with truth. Many times it's not that God has not prepared the grace for us, but we forfeited the grace because we don't know the truth. So many times when people point out our weakness, our fault, we fight back, we argue, we need to justify ourselves, we blame others. You see, all this is because we don't know the truth and therefore we forfeited the grace that God has given to us. Because in God's grace, despite of what we have done, He loves us, He accepts us, we are still His children, we are still His people. So we do not need to, to, to prove our worth. Because it's in Christ. It's in Christ we know who we are. It's in Christ we know that we are accepted. So now, we know our lives still need to be transformed and we just receive the grace of God in that situation and uh, just resting in God rather than having to strive and, and fight for who we are, uh, our self-worth. So, Grace comes with truth. So we must have the truth in order to experience the grace. Look at uh, uh, John 1, verse 14. John 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth, you know, because grace comes with truth. Verse 16 and 17. Out of the fullness, we all receive grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Out of His fullness. There's always grace for us. You know, we come and, and we feel defeated. We feel you know, ashamed. We feel condemned. Because of what we have done. But grace is there. Grace after grace. Because out of His fullness, you know, He just pours forth His grace into our life. But that grace comes with truth. 
we need to know is in the blood of Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus, we are cleansed. We are, we are made whole. Right? Uh, so that's very important. Otherwise, many times, God is waiting to release that grace to us. But we feel that we are unworthy. We feel that we have to prove ourselves. So we did not come to Him. We did not come to Him. But in the new covenant, that way is open for us. The new and living way. The way that gives you life. That lifts you up. That causes you to stand before God and also before men. So, that's the first great thing that this new covenant do for us. It opens the door for us to come right into the most holy place to receive grace in whatever needs we have. The second thing is, in the new covenant, we know Him. Remember, we need that, that's grace. We need truth. We know Him. And uh, sin is the hindrance. You know, when we don't know Him, that's because there are sin. And there are sin in our hearts that crowd, clouded our, our perception of, of Him. Look at uh, Hebrews 8, verse 10 to 12. This is a covenant I will establish with the people of Israel for after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbors or say to one another, Know the law, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So can you see, sin is the one that, that uh, caused us not to know Him, not, not to see Him. And uh, so now that the blood of Jesus is shed, right? What kind of sin that will cause us to, to not be able to see God? The sin of pride. And arrogance. We are still depending on ourselves and our performance, our achievement to, to uh, ascertain our worth. So we're still trusting in self. That is sin. Self-righteousness. We think we are so good. You know, we judge others, we condemn others because we feel that we are better than them. Self-righteousness. So when there is sin in our hearts, there is the hardness of heart. So therefore the law cannot be written in our heart or in our spirit and in our mind. And that's, that causes us not to know God. But when we enter into the new covenant, when we trust totally in the blood of Jesus and the righteousness of Jesus, what He has done, our sins are removed. We have a clear conscience. We don't need to justify ourselves. We don't need to prove ourselves because Jesus has done it for us. We know who we are in this new relationship because He said, they will, uh, I will be their God and they will be my people. In this new covenant relationship, we know we are already one with God. And He has loved us, He has accepted us. We are His people. We are secure. 
we do not, we are not confused about our relationship with Him at any time. We are secure. We are His people. No matter what a mess we have made out of our own life and because of what we have done, we still trust in the blood of Jesus. We know that we have this new covenant and we can just come before Him and know that we are accepted. So, because of, of this new covenant, that the blood of Jesus, he said, every one of us will know him. And that's why sometimes people say, well, you know, the word is so difficult, I cannot understand. What is the reason? Sometimes it's because we lack that maturity in life. Sometimes it's because of pride, the sin that is in our hearts. That's why we cannot know the word of God. But it says here, can you imagine? Verse, verse 11, No longer will they teach their neighbor and say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. The word of God says in this new covenant, when you trust in Jesus, you don't need people to teach you. He's not trying to tell us to be proud and think that we know everything, because that is the hindrance for us to, to, to know Him. But rather, you know, we can all know Him. There's no reason why we shouldn't know Him. He said, you don't even need to tell this other guy, well, know God. They will know Him. When we enter into the new covenant, when we trust in Jesus, we will know Him. Right? And uh, so, so whenever we do not know, even when the Word of God is explained to us, we really should seek God for understanding. We really should seek God for forgiveness because of our sin, because of our pride, right? Uh, so that we may, we're supposed to know Him. We're supposed to know the truth because His Spirit is the one that will write them in our mind and in our heart. And so that's the, the second great thing about this new covenant. We will know Him from the least to the greatest, from the youngest to the old. Everyone will, will know Him because it is the working of His Spirit. But when we do not know, what is the reason? Look, in the 2 Corinthians 3 verse 14, But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veils remain when the old covenant is read. It, is not been, it has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. When you do not think in Christ, with Christ's perspective, when you do not think in the truth that God has given to us, you will not understand. You will not know. Yeah? Why? Because there is a hardening. Their minds are made dull. Right? There is a hardening of the heart that causes them not to see, causes us not to see the truth. But when we come before Him. That's why the Word of God wants us to be broken and a contrite heart. That's why He said He doesn't want sacrifice. He wants a broken and contrite heart. Because when you have a broken and contrite heart, you'll be able to see what God sees. You'll be able to know what He wants to tell us. He will write it into our mind and into our heart. Because only in Christ, when we trust in Jesus, trust in His shed blood, 
when we know that we have entered into this greater covenant, we know that we can know Him. We are His people. So we have a new relationship with Him, intimate relationship. Not because people teach us, but because we enter into the covenant in Christ, because of what Jesus has done, because we can come right into the most holy place in this new covenant. What a great covenant it is. What if, you know, it's, it, it's so much better than the old covenant, isn't it? And then at the end of the day, when we continue to, to be led by His Spirit, continue to do what He has written, put in our hearts and in our mind, when we continue to follow Him, continue to come before Him to receive what we need to walk in His way, when we don't give any excuses and, and do not even blame others when we do not know God because He said, oh, I may know Him. Right? We should appreciate people who are teaching us to know Him, but even then we do not know Him. Why? Look into our hearts. Look into our, our mind. Are we in Christ? Are we thinking like what Christ wants to think? Not what we assume He's He's, he's thinking the way we do. Okay, so when we have done all these things, the Word of God said we will receive the promised eternal inheritance. Look at Hebrews 9, verse 15. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that He has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So what is this eternal inheritance that we will receive, that we are promised? We are promised a kingdom, an eternal kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's the promise of the new covenant, eternal kingdom. Let's uh, uh, read it. Hebrews 12, 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirit of the righteous make perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So he said, one day we'll enter into heaven and we'll enter into the city of God, the new Jerusalem, the heavenly, heavenly Jerusalem. We'll enter into the city of God. We will come before the throne of God, the glory of God. And when we come, when we enter into that place, he said there are Thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. What a glorious day that will be where the angels are just dancing and celebrating in that heavenly city, in that uh, 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 eternal kingdom that we are receiving. And then we'll be there, the church of the firstborn, we'll be there. And uh, we are made perfect because of the spirit of righteousness, because of Jesus that is 
that is in our life. And uh, so the Lord Jesus will be there. So that will be the eternal inheritance that we will inherit. But what is it all about? about? Is it just about praise? Is it just about worship and and celebration? Look at uh, Hebrews 12, verse 28 to 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful, so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. So it is a kingdom. That means there are government, there are rules, there are things to govern over, people to govern over, right? So we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It says that because God Verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. You see, when we come before Him, everything that is not built on Him, on Jesus, that chief cornerstone, that solid rock, will be burned away. But everything that is built on Christ, the solid rock, they will stand. They will stand. So, uh, so that means all these promises is still conditional. Because in every covenant, there is a condition. When we, God is fulfilling His part. God is ready to do all that He promised. He's waiting for us to do our part so that that covenant is complete, so that we can receive what, we, uh, what He has promised us. And uh, so in Revelation 2, verse 26 to 27. He said, To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. So you see, when we follow Him to do His will, His will to the end, when we overcome all those challenges, all those attacks, all those persecutions, all those trials, trusting in His grace, trusting in His strength, coming before Him to receive that grace. When we keep doing His will, He said we will receive authority over the nations. That's what it means to receive an unshakable kingdom. We will rule and we will reign with Him. The authority that he received, he shared with us, right? Jesus received, he shared with us. So we rule and we reign with him. So what do we have to do now? What do we have to do now? Just now in that verse, he said, uh, in the Hebrews 12, verse 28, he said, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and all. Let us be thankful. So when we are so thankful to God for what He has, what Jesus has done for us, bringing us this new covenant, sealing us with His blood, we will serve Him with gladness. We will willingly give ourselves to Him because we are thankful. 
You know, those who are reluctant and not willing to serve God are unthankful people. But we want to be that thankful people. And he says, so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. We serve, we worship Him, not just with our word. We worship Him through our walk, through our work. So we give our best to Him acceptably. Not giving what's left over, not giving what we do not want, not giving, you know, just partially and yet holding back. But he said, let's worship God acceptably. In the covenant, we mentioned it takes all of our life because God is giving us all of himself. Can you imagine? He's sharing the kingdom with us. He's giving all of himself that we can come into his most holy presence. So he wants us to worship him acceptably, give all of ourselves to serve him. He said, as we continue to do his will until the end, we will receive the authority to rule over the nations just like he has. So I trust that this evening, this message will inspire you. And this indeed will be a great, not just new year, a great new era as we walk with Jesus, preparing for that day he will come and, and, and reward us with all that he has promised in this new covenant. So let us be thankful. Let us serve God acceptably because we know we have access into the most holy place. We are cleansed. We can serve him now. We are accepted. We know him. His grace is available for us. Nothing will be able to stop us unless we live in a lie, unless we do not have the truth. So we want to keep knowing God, keep His word to continue to, 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 to be put in our mind and in our hearts so that we'll know how to walk, we'll know how to serve Him until the end. It will be a glorious day that is coming in the heavenly city of God with all those angels, with everyone who are the firstborn church of Jesus Christ there, worshipping God. So I trust we will, we will all serve Him with all of our heart in this new covenant, this great covenant that we have. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this good news. We thank you for the new covenant that is in Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you for shedding your blood, for cleansing us from our sin, setting us free, and giving us a clear conscience before God. Father, we thank you that now we can come with confidence, with boldness, into your most holy place. We thank you, Lord, that we receive grace from you, all the grace that we need. So there's nothing lacking in our life because it is in you. So Lord, help us to continue continuously to come before your throne 
receiving that grace from you with confidence, with faith, because you have done it, Jesus. Lord, we pray that we will continue to come before you with a broken, contrite heart so that your words may continue to be put in our mind and in our hearts, that we'll know you better and better so that we can enter deeper and deeper into your promises, into the covenant that you have for us. Lord, we want to be faithful and serving you with all that we have until the day you come again. And we may rejoice in that heavenly city with you and with the angels and with all the saints. We thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. We'll see you again next week. Amen.